2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God in Corinth, together with all his holy people throughout Arcadia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experience in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us, as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayer of It's awesome to be together, and this morning we're going to be starting a new sermon series built off of Paul's letter to sec- the uh, church at Corinth, and this is his second letter to the church at Corinth. Uh, he writes two. One, he writes in anticipation of a visit to them, and the second one that we're going to be focusing on here for the next couple months is a letter that he wrote after he had visited them and experienced great difficulty in that visit, which we're going to talk about. But this morning where we want to begin is this, a church alive, a church like ours that is seeking to be a a living expression of the body of Christ is meant to experience the comfort of God. What sets us apart is that we seek God's comfort, not comfort from other sources, resources within the world as we'll talk about here in this message. So as a church alive, we want to seek the comfort of God. And Paul, in this letter to the Corinthians, talks about how we can experience that comfort in community with one another. So you can follow along in the insert in the bulletin or on the screen. In 2 Corinthians 1, verses 1 through 11, Paul writes this. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God in Corinth, together with the saints through Achaia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the giver of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. 
For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm. Because we know that just as you share in our suffering, so also you share in our comfort. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. But this happened, that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He has delivered us from a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him, we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. As you help us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. God, we do pray that your word would be living and active, alive in in our presence and our experience today. In Jesus' name. Amen. The passage talks about our experience that comes through the power of the resurrection. That Jesus, that God, is the one who raises the dead. And because he raised Jesus from the dead, we are his church, a living embodiment of his presence as his body here at Sierra Presbyterian Church and in a wider way. If there wasn't the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there would be no reason for us to gather and worship. And there would be no living expression of his presence. In about five weeks, we're going to celebrate Pentecost, when God poured out the power of the Holy Spirit and the presence of the Holy Spirit on his people, and the church was enlivened by the Spirit of God. Well, we don't have to wait five weeks for Pentecost to celebrate the Holy Spirit's presence. As Dan acknowledged in our opening worship, God is here. He promises to be present when two or more people are gathered in his name. So we celebrate the presence of the living God. And one of the primary ways that God then reveals himself and expresses himself is by giving us comfort. So again, today, the theme of the message is that a church alive experiences the comfort of God. And our focus is this. If we experience the comfort of God and obey the call to care for others as a redemptive response to our own losses, the members and friends of Sierra Presbyterian Church can heal and grow through their grief, loss, or difficulties. How does this occur? Well, for Paul, he had made a missionary trip to the church to Ephesus and the church at Corinth. And in those experiences, it had been pretty difficult. Paul lets us know that the visit there hadn't been easy. He had been rebuffed and rejected by people in Corinth. And in Ephesus, a riot had actually occurred, and he had been basically beaten and kicked out of town. Things had not been easy for Paul. And he needed to experience the comfort and encouragement of God. But what he tells us in this letter is the comfort of God wasn't just for his own personal benefit. It was for the benefit of others as Paul experiences God's comfort and then becomes a conduit of that comfort for other people. You see, God comforts us. And we'll talk about that quality and how we experience that today. But it isn't just for us. That experience of comfort 
is meant to then be reflected in the lives of others so people can grow and mature and churches can grow and mature through times of difficulty and loss and hardship. That doesn't happen by accident. And the way growth occurs can be mysterious sometimes. When we go through hardship, if somebody says, well, how is that person growing as a result? How is the presence of the living God being reflected? Well, it could be reflected in simply the, you know, the countenance of somebody changing, where they've gone through a chan- an opportunity or an experience of difficulty, but now that experience is, they've come through that and they're kind of the better for it, or they've worked through it and now their head's lifted back up and they're seeing hope again. Both my boys ran in track meets this week. And towards the end of different races they were running, like a mile or a half mile, towards the end of that race, the look on their face was like pain and sorrow, like, I can't wait for this to be over. But then I watched each of them after they finished the race, and they knew they had done well and had worked through that, then this big smile on their face coming, because they had been seen through that difficult experience and were on the other side of it, and mainly they were happy because it was over. We go through difficulties. Life is not unlike a race that is hard and challenging and difficult at times. But once we see that God leads us through that experience and helps us through that experience, we can experience a sense of joy and comfort and encouragement as a result. And we can see the movement on people's parts where they might have been bowed down by grief or almost like comforting themselves, but are now open once again. And are able to share the comfort of God with other people. Unfortunately, this doesn't happen for everyone. Sometimes people go through difficulties and hardships. And it weighs them down to such a degree that they don't believe that life can be good again. Or they lose sight of the goodness of God in that experience. And wondering where God is at. And may take a detour of just denying that God even exists. Or wondering again whether God is good or not. Or sometimes we might go into kind of what I'll call the detour of denial where we even try to deny that hurts or losses or pain has been a real experience. But for some of us, and churches as a whole, cannot really deny the difficulties we're going through. It's not easy in life when you face a loss of a certain kind or a hardship that knocks you down. A church like ours and many churches goes through hardships and difficulties But when we experience the comfort of God, we can come through those experiences and be stronger as a result and can become conduits of comfort for other people. So how did this experience occur for Paul? After the hardships of that visit, he now writes to the church at Corinth. And he says, Paul, is an, he says, I'm an apostle. And he greets them with, alongside his brother Timothy. And he addresses them as saints. The people in Corinth. What is the significance of those things? Well, a church alive is uh, living a life that is sent by God. We have the experience of being apostles, sent out by God, sent on mission for him. And we're going to experience difficulty and hardship as we seek to go about that mission. But if we never entered into that mission, we wouldn't experience the type of suffering or loss that Paul's talking about here. It's really only as we engage in serving and seeking to connect our community that we're going to run into the types of challenges that he's talking about. But what happens when we go through those? Paul tells us that he and Timothy had become brothers. They had become family. 
So just out as they were sent as missionary servants to go and share the good news of Jesus and had experienced hardship, what had happened as a result is they had been drawn together as, as a family, as brothers in, in Christ. What I watch occur for churches like ours is that as we face hardship together and challenges, God draws us together and we minister to one another and the bonds that form in the process make us family. When he says that they are saints in, in Corinth and he dresses them as saints, know that Paul is not saying they are perfect. And any church like ours is not perfect. But what it does mean is that we're set apart for the purposes of God. Set apart as holy people that he's making holy, that he's purifying, and that he's setting apart so that we are a church alive for his purposes and his plans. So a church alive is set apart for God's purposes. We're drawn together as a family of faith through hardship and difficulty. But all the while, we're sent out on a mission together And we experience God's encouragement and comfort in the process. I love the way 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10 describes this. There, Peter says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. What happens is we experience an identity and a belonging as part of the people of God and part of the family of God when we go through hardship and difficulty together. What Paul then extends to the church at Corinth in this experience is that God's grace and peace will fall on them and and fill them and, and give them encouragement and hope. And as a result of that, they're meant to give God thanks and praise. What Paul does in his greetings is point us back to what God has done through Christ. And he's done what he's done is show us grace. Our greatest difficulty is sin, and our greatest need is grace and forgiveness. And Paul wants the church at Corinth to know right away that as a church that is seeking to be alive with the presence of God, they need to know and experience God's grace and mercy. One of our great longings is that this church would be a church of of grace, where we love one another and care for one another. When we're facing struggles and trials, we know that we don't have to pretend to be perfect or have it all together But we can come in here and go into our growth groups and other points of connection and receive God's grace. When we do that, we experience the second quality that he talks about in a church that is alive, experiences peace. Recall that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. God fills us with these qualities with the power and presence of his Holy Spirit. And perhaps the greatest fruit of the Spirit we need to know right now is God's peace. Because the world is experiencing an absence of peace. In the midst of military conflict in Ukraine, in the midst of continued concerns about COVID, political, economic divisions, racial strife, we need to know that God can impart a peace to us which can instill us with a sense of hope and calm in the midst of all the chaos in the world. And when a church like ours, a church that is seeking to be alive in Christ, experiences grace and peace, what is our primary response? It's to give God thanks and praise. It's why we invite people 
to discover Jesus by gathering for worship. It's why we believe that when we encounter the living God, we are ultimately changed. And our trials and challenges that we're currently facing are seen in light of the greater hope that we have in Jesus. That he doesn't leave us alone in those trials and challenges, but wants to minister to us in the midst of our pain and loss and sorrow and transform it in light of his grace and mercy. When we gather for worship, my hope and encouragement, my hope for you is that you encounter the living Lord Jesus Christ and you experience his grace and peace. That what comes down from God, his grace and peace, leads you to draw near to him and lift up your praise. We always have reason to give God thanks and praise. The challenge is when we're going through various challenges and struggles, we can too often turn to other sources of comfort rather than turn to God as our comforter. We can deny the hurts and losses we've experienced, or we might seek to fill the space and place or the void that is increased perhaps because of those difficulties with drugs, alcohol, pornography, Uh, other addictions, food, uh, whatever it might be that we seek to fill that space and place. But what Paul is saying to us is that a church that is seeking to be alive to the presence of God seeks to have God comfort us, not other things. Because all other things, you know, and, and, and Dan sang this perfectly, we sang this perfectly, nothing, nothing is better than you and nothing can comfort us like There are things that might distract us for a short bit of time. There are things that might numb our pain for a short bit of time. But nothing other than God can give us the type of comfort in a continued way that we need if we want to be a living embodiment of the presence of Christ. So Paul turns us in the direction of God. And he praises God as God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, as a God of compassion and the giver of all comfort. In other words, we experience the living presence of Christ as as a relational dynamic in relationship to God as Father. The only reason we know God as Father is because he sent Jesus as his Son. And Jesus, his Son, reflected the grace and peace that Paul is wanting to impart. We know that God is a God of compassion And comfort because of what he's done for us in Jesus. He did not leave us alone, but he sent a comforter. Notice, if you looked at John 17, and on the night that Jesus was betrayed, and he's with his disciples there around the table, and what he says to them is this, don't worry because I'm going to send you another comforter. That once I'm gone, there's going to be another comforter that's going to come and be with you and fill you and encourage you. Well, if Jesus says that he's going to send another comforter, the Holy Spirit, who will come and live inside of us, what he's also saying is that he is our first comforter. The only reason there's another comforter in the Holy Spirit coming is because God has sought to comfort us first and foremost through the sending of Christ. God comes in the person of his Son, He's a son who loves us and cares about us. And as we talked about during Easter season, laid down his life for us. He becomes through then the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, a parakletos, the one who comes alongside us and walks with us through difficulties and hardships so that we are ultimately never alone. God is the father of compassion. I don't know what your earthly father was like. I don't know what that experience has been like for you. 
But the good news here that Paul is telling us is no matter what our earthly experiences of having a father and mother were like and no matter how they reflected different qualities and characteristics, we have a loving father in heaven who wants to comfort us and come alongside us and show us compassion and care. And church, as we seek to live out the mission of God, the community we live in desperately needs to experience the comfort of God. There's a sense of grief in this community that I've experienced over the 10 years I've been here. Some of that is, I think, the grief that comes from the residue of greed that we're so oriented towards the past history of the gold rush and the haves and the have-nots and attempts to get rich quick that didn't work well for people for the most part. Our community is oriented so much to the past that we can miss out on the comfort of God in the present. Also, we have a lot of retirees in our area, and many of you might have lived in the Bay Area or in another place and retired here because it's so pretty up here, it's a slower lifestyle and things like that. Well, the longer we live, the more we tend to experience, you know, experiences of grief and loss in our own life. Those experiences accumulate over time. And if we've moved from a different area, we might have the grief and loss of, you know, the loss of um, the jobs we had before, the relationships we had before, the neighborhoods we lived in before. And we may be new to this community or lived here for some time, but have a sense of isolation and disconnection from a previous uh, point of connection in church or community. Those experiences of grief and loss, again, can be ones in which God meets us and comforts us, but many others isolate themselves and separate themselves and and don't connect with a church like ours. What Paul is telling us to do here is to allow the comfort of God to minister to us in our troubles, in our grief, in our loss, not only for ourselves, but so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God, with the comfort that God alone can ultimately give. I don't know what troubles, challenges you have faced in your life exactly in the past or what you may be going through in the present. But I put each one of us in the room in one of two categories. We might be somebody who experienced, went through something great, you know, of great difficulty or hardship in the past. And we experienced God's comfort in the midst of that trouble or affliction. And as a result, we can be present to other people who are going through difficulties, and hardships. For instance, after the first service, where I shared about my own experience of grief and loss, again with my daughter Kylie, who passed away in 2004, I met several people outside and in our fellowship time who had experienced the grief and loss of a child. And there's nothing like it. It's profound impact on your life and the landscape-changing you know, nature of that loss. But in community and in connection with one another, we can find hope. We just talked about God as the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. If we think about what happened in the death of Jesus, God our Father experienced the death of a child. But he also brought about resurrection, right? And hope and renewed community that came as a result of Christ's resurrection and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I can testify, Dan, one of the songs says, somebody testify, so I'm going to testify that the living Lord Jesus Christ met Beth and I in our grief and loss. And not only directly, 
God used a community of people in the church we were serving at the time in Santa Rosa to walk with us, encourage us, and give us hope and help us to find healing so that we can move forward. That experience wasn't just for me, though. That experience was so that I can be a source or conduit of God's comfort and care for other people now through the loss and difficulty I face, but also what I learned about God's grace and mercy and healing and power to redeem and restore. If you experienced the the comfort of God through a difficult experience in the past, know that today God wants to use that in a redemptive way to be a source of comfort and encouragement to somebody else, either in the room, in your neighborhood, among your families, friends, coworkers, in those various spaces and places in which you find yourself. That's one category. The second category is this. Those who are going through it right now. Those who find themselves in an experience of what Paul calls flipsis, affliction or trouble, hardship. And you need to know the consolation and encouragement of God. And if you're in that space and place, my hope for you is that the experience of this message and a prayer time we're going to have in a few moments and the experience of communion might today be a way that God touches you and encourages you. Or that someone in the room after the service or in your growth group or other point of connection comes alongside you in such a way that you're nourished and encouraged in the love of God and you're able to lean into God and what he has for you and ultimately grow forward as a result. The message translation of 1 Corinthians 1 says this, or 2 Corinthians 1. He says, he, it says, he comes alongside us, God comes alongside us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. Experiences of grief, loss, and suffering don't have to make us less or separate us from God. They can draw us near to God so that we experience his love and hope and encouragement, and it can actually draw us deeper together in community with one another. The deepest experiences of community and connection, for me, have not gone when everything's going well. They've actually been when things have been really tough. And yet God drew community and people together to depend on one another and be nourished and encouraged through the comfort of God given and received through one another. Paul had been comforted directly by God and he now knew that through the comfort he had received from Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit, he was then meant to be a source of comfort and encouragement to the church at Corinth. And guess what? The intimacy of relationships between churches and people in the New Testament and the church today is meant to be so profound that we don't shrink back when we go through hardships, but we lean forward and we seek to encourage and help one another and walk alongside one another through difficulty. Yesterday, in my own devotional reading, I came once again to the book of Ruth. Uh, The book of Ruth occurs in the time of the judges, where it said uh, everybody did what they wanted, and there was just utter chaos. There wasn't leadership, really, for the people of Israel, and they were experiencing hard times as a community. We're told that those hard times were accentuated by the fact that there was a famine in the land of Judah, and a family went from there to live in Moab. And there, a husband and wife uh, had, two, had two sons, and those two sons uh, married two women. 
And sadly, all three women in the story experienced the death of their husbands. Naomi, Ruth, Orpah all experienced the loss of their husbands, who not only, you know, source of love and connection, but also provision, right? What happens in that story is Naomi becomes so embittered by that experience, she says, don't call me Naomi, which means pleasant or sweet. Call me Mara, which means bitter. She's been embittered by the loss of her husband. But then what happens in the story is this. The two daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth, start back on a journey towards uh, Bethlehem and Judah with Naomi. One decides to leave. Orpah goes back to her own people in Moab and to her God. But Ruth, the other daughter-in-law, makes this amazing commitment to stay connected in community with her mother-in-law, Naomi. And in this profound statement, she says this, Don't urge me to leave you. Don't urge me to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and I, there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything from death, but death separates you from me. In other words, Ruth says, we're going to do life together. And as hard as the loss of our husbands have been, We're not going to isolate or separate ourselves. We're going to literally cling to one another. And the Hebrew word for cling is here, where Ruth, you know, clung on to her mother-in-law for encouragement and hope. And as the story unfolds, and I'd encourage you to read the book of Ruth, these two women travel back to Bethlehem at harvest time. And we find God providing for them physically, but also relationally and spiritually. And ultimately, a child is born through Ruth, who becomes part of the lineage that leads up to the coming of Jesus, the ultimate source of our encouragement, our comfort, and our hope. If Ruth had left, had isolated herself in her grief and loss, that part of the redemptive story of God would have been different. But because she stayed with her mother-in-law, Naomi, God's redemptive story that leads up to the ultimate redeemer, Jesus, unfolds. And God wants you to stay connected in community right now, no matter what you're going through, to not isolate yourself, but to stay connected with him and with one another in such a way that you can be a fellow struggler and a fellow traveler with other people in the church and community so that you are not alone, but you experience the comfort of God through somebody else who has gone through it. And we've all gone through it in some way or another. But the good news is in the midst of our hardship and trouble, we can experience God's redemption and healing. And many of you today have gone through those kinds of experiences before. And if so, know that those circumstances you faced, that distress and hardship and difficulty then, was meant to lead to an experience of God's comfort for you. But that experience of comfort for you also was meant to produce patient endurance with, of the same suffering that somebody else is facing now. So that you can find a firm and sure hope where you experience the knowledge of God's love for you and your perspective is changed. Where you see God at work in your life in an active way. And ultimately, you you experience a type of conviction that you know that you know that you know that God is real. That you don't uh, walk away from that experience of difficulty questioning the existence of God or the love of God. But you actually have a greater conviction because God met you in that time of difficulty and loss. 
And it actually prepared you with new skills for comforting and extending compassion to other people. And it led you to be shaped in a Christ-like character, to become more and more like him. When we experience suffering and hardship, we're meant to share in those sufferings, to not deny them, but actually share them in community and connection with one another so we can also experience the comfort of God together. A church that is alive is comforted by God. And we as a church are seeking to continue to create an environment where people can heal and grow through their griefs and losses and ultimately learn from them so that we can not only grow ourselves, but come alongside other people who are in need. As the passage wraps up, Paul says that things had become so hard for him that he had even despaired, even it says, even of his life. I don't know that Paul was suicidal, but he was struggling to such a degree that, that he, just, he was struggling even of life. He despaired of what his life was going to look like. And he wondered what was coming next for him. If you're in that situation, know that as Paul relied on God instead of himself or his own resources, he found his deliverance and rescue from God. He was supported in prayer from the Corinthians. And he found God's comfort and compassion in such a way that he was able to move forward in his life and ultimately thrive versus just trying to survive. And many of us, for the last two years, things have been so hard and difficult. They've been difficult for us personally. They've been difficult for the church. But God doesn't want us to just go through those experiences and leave them behind. He wants us to learn lessons from them, to learn to grow in our love for God and for one another, to be transformed from those experiences so that we're able to be his transforming agents in the world today. We not only need that comfort ourselves, church, our community is in desperate need of that comfort and encouragement and hope. So as we prepare for communion today and encounter God's presence uh, through the body and the the giving of his body and the shedding of his blood, I want to take a few moments of prayer and just invite you to close your eyes. And and I want you to think about, you know, a, a difficulty or hardship, a loss, a challenge that you faced in the past or maybe you're facing in the present. But I also want you to prayerfully consider how God comforted you in that experience. Who did he use? (laughs) Who did he bring alongside you? Who did he work through so that you'd experience God's comfort? It could have been a person. It could have been a, a group, a growth group. It could have been a Stephen minister, a counselor, one of the pastors, one of a deacon. But what I want to do is just invite you to pray And give God thanks and praise for that person or that group or the process that God used to bring you healing and wholeness. That we could give him thanks and praise for being the God of comfort and the giver of all compassion. Let's pray and just invite you to pray out the names of people who God used to care for you and come alongside you, groups or experiences that we would give God thanks and praise for that. I praise you for Dale, for Tim.
Thank you for Dave and Jeff and my pastor's prayer team. First Press, Santa Rosa. Sierra Presbyterian Church. God, we thank you that as the God of all comfort and the giver of all compassion, you have brought people to our lives and into our lives to walk alongside us. You've been present with us directly through the power of the Holy Spirit and what Christ has done for us. We can know that you love us and you care about us and you want to comfort us and encourage us. Thank you and praise you for those people who walked alongside us through hardship. Thank you for those people that you are using in our lives now to remind us that we are never alone. Lord God, we love you and we thank you that while nothing else satisfies and nothing else can ultimately fill us, you, through the power of the Holy Spirit, can and do. And as we experience and celebrate communion today, we pray that the comfort of your love would pour into our lives, that the power of the Holy Spirit would do your transforming work within us, and that we would be led into places of hope, and that as a church alive, we would experience the comfort of God and be able to share that comfort with other people in need. So fill us and sustain us today and prepare us for the opportunities we have to be a source of your comfort for other people, even as you have done that for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. To every bow, to every heart, in every circumstance, I believe you, my fortress, you are my portion, you are my hiding place, I believe
It's a new horizon And I'm set on you You meet me here today Mercy is that I knew All my fears and doubts Well they can all come to Cause they can't stay long When I'm here with you It's a new horizon And I'm set on you Meet me here today With mercies that I knew All my fears and doubts 